We're going to go back in the Old Testament uh, in the book of 1 Samuel. And we're going to read from chapter 22, and we're going to start by just reading verse 1. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we won't read the second part um, until a little bit later. I'm just going to read verse 1 for an opening text. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to meet him. It says, David departed from where, this is from where he was at, and he escaped. The reason why I use the word escape is because King Saul was after him trying to kill him. Uh, and so the word escaped is used here. And he went down to the cave of Adullam when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it. They went down there to him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Mighty God, as we come to you today, we thank you, God, because you are the Lord of all. You're the master of the sea. You're the creator of all that is. You're the creator of everything that we can see and we can't see. I thank you, Lord, for your presence that we have felt today. And I'm asking God right now, Lord, that you will lay your spirit upon me, the unction of the Holy Ghost, to rest upon me to be able to deliver this message the way I feel that you have given me today. I pray, God, that you will help us, God, to be encouraged, to be uplifted. Amen. And be led by you through your word today. In the matchless, mighty, majestic name of, of Jesus Christ, let the church say, Amen. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. If you've read at all any about the life of David, you know this scripture. It's um, it's nothing new to you. I've heard many preachers preach from it. I've preached from this passage of scripture myself in the past, but the message that I delivered then is different than what God has laid upon my heart to uh, to deliver to you now. I want to speak to you on a subject titled, From a Cave to a Crown. From a Cave to a Crown. Hallelujah. If you haven't been through no battles, if you haven't been through no struggles, if you haven't known heartbreak, if you ain't never been prompted to ask God the question, why, then... I give you your leave to get up and leave and go on home now because unless you've experienced some of those things, this message will not mean much to you. But God has given me this to speak for us as a church, as a congregation, and also the individuals here that know exactly what I'm talking about when I said the things that we go through, like the struggles and strife and the heartbreak and the hardships and all those things. Let me lay a, a little foundation. You know, 
If I could somehow transport us back in the history of Israel, if we, could, if we had a great big time machine or something like that, and we could just gather all together in that time machine and push the button to go back in the history of Israel about a thousand years before the birth of Christ. I'm not talking about the birth of Christ. That, we know that was 2,000 years ago. But I'm talking about going back another thousand years before that. Because that was the time that King David lived and reigned. One thousand years, a whole millennium. One thousand years before Jesus was ever born. My, that seems to be a long time. Well, if we could transport ourselves back and we could go back to that time, and then when we get there, if we could proceed to go down to a little small town by the name of Bethlehem, we could go out into the hill country around Bethlehem and see shepherds watching their flocks in the same manner which they were doing the night the angels appeared to them when Jesus was born. You see, shepherds have watched over the flocks in the hillside of Judea for thousands of years. But if we went back to that time period before, a thousand years before Jesus was born, somewhere in that setting we would find a young boy maybe sitting under a shade tree with a harp in his hands strumming the chords. And he would be singing hymns Psalms to the Lord which proceeded from his heart as he watched over his father's flock. You see, if we could go back literally, that's what we would see. Don't know which field he would be in. Don't know what shade tree he would be under. But we would somewhere find a lad, a small boy, sitting under that shade tree, with a small handheld harp and strumming and singing psalms while he was watching uh, the flock. Now this boy would be named David. And he would be the youngest of eight brothers from the loins of an Israelite by the name of Jesse. Now the Scriptures declare that he was ruddy, which if you look that up, it means he was he was red-headed. Now, David was different in appearance than all over, all over Jews. I mean, you just stop and think for a moment. It's not natural for a Jewish man to have red hair. But the Scripture says that he was ruddy and he was fair-complected. Uh, and he uh, was good to look upon, the Scripture says, or he was, he was a handsome young man. The hand of God had rested upon David from his birth, for he was born with a purpose and plan deep within the soul of this ruddy, fair-complected 
boy was a destiny to be birthed and a crown to receive. Hallelujah. But even after Samuel the prophet had anointed him there, Samuel came along and as you remember the story, he called all of Jesse's sons before him. All seven other older brothers. And God spoke to one after one and told Samuel, he said, no, that's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. Finally, he, all, uh, all those who's already grown up and adult uh, passed by. And Samuel told Jesse, asked Jesse, he says, don't you have any more? Is that all? He said, well, you know, I've got, I got one little small fellow back over here watching the sheep. And uh, Samuel says, bring Bring him here. And uh, God spoke to Samuel and says, Don't look on his outward appearance, but you look on his heart. I'm going to tell you what, folks. We hinder so much of a move of God simply because we want to judge everybody by their outward appearance. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how the Spirit of God is resting upon somebody. If they don't look to please us, we automatically cut them off and don't have nothing. We don't want to hear from them. Hello, somebody. But God told Samuel, do not pay any attention to his his outward appearance. Don't look at it because he's small and he's young. Amen. And he's red-headed with freckles and all this kind of stuff. When David passed before Samuel, God spoke to him. He says, this is the one. I want you to anoint him. I want you to anoint him. But even after Samuel the prophet had anointed David, I want you to listen to me now. There were battles to be fought. There were conflicts to be encountered, and there was an overall emotional roller coaster to ride. Hallelujah. What are you saying? I'm telling you that God's hand was on David as a boy. He had a destiny, he had a purpose and a plan of God. And he was anointed, had the anointing poured over him, which represents, hallelujah, the Holy Ghost on us today. But I want you to know something. Even though he was anointed, even though he was appointed, even though he had, listen, the, the, the battles and the conflicts and all those things didn't come his way to after his anointing. Now I hope that you can follow me tonight because the Lord is, is trying to give us something here. David's life became an emotional roller coaster. Up and down. Up and down. High, low. High, low. All of those things Amen, that he went through. But I'm here to tell you today that all of these things were designed to lead him into a cave. Glory. Now where we picked up the text at, David was in a cave. 
He was a grown man. He was an adult. But now he, he, was, he was run and pushed into a cave. And I'm here to tell you that everything that had transpired in his life from the time that Samuel anointed him, every battle he had to fight, every conflict he had to come out that came against him, and all those things that up and down, they were intended by God to drive him to a cave. Now, we got to ask the question, why did God need to get David into the cave? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because I'm here to tell you, and the Spirit of God spoke in my spirit, hallelujah, earlier this morning, that if that cave, that cave of Adullam, it turned into the womb of the birth of his destiny, oh glory to God. Glory to God, that cave, that all the battles and all the conflicts and all the trials and all the pain and all the heartbreak that drove David to the cave, God knew that cave was going to be a womb. Hallelujah. It would be the womb. And listen, you're going to have to get in the Spirit to pick up what the Spirit is saying right now. Don't try to pick this up with your natural thinking. Don't try to sit there and try to figure this out. What you've got to do is get yourself on the flow of how the Spirit is moving right now. The womb of the birth of his destiny. And from there, the crown designed by God for him to wear. That's what I'm talking about. From a cave to a crown. Oh, hallelujah. From a cave to a crown. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, there's none of us going to get through this thing and make it to where God wants us to be without going through some suffering, without going through some heartaches, without going through some pains, without going through some setbacks. But I praise God. Hallelujah. I claim this for my life all the time, that every setback that I suffer in my life, every setback that I suffer in my ministry, I say, I look at the devil, and I say, devil, glory to God, this setback is only a setup for a comeback. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because what the devil intended for bad to you, God intends to burst something great out of you. Don't sit around crying because you're in the cave. Because the cave is the womb that's going to give birth to something great in your life. Lord, I feel the anointing right now. Hallelujah. There's a lot of us who received promises from God. We have felt a call of some kind. We know or we feel like in our spirit that God wants to do something in our life but we're not willing to spend some time in the cave. We're not willing to go through the struggles. We just soon say, the heck with it. Come on. 
This ain't worth it. Well, if the devil can get you to believe that, he's got you where he wants you, and you never will accomplish anything in the kingdom of God. The cave that you and I have to go to is a part of what I call the process of development. The process of a de- development. I want to talk about that just for a moment. From the time of conception, when the spark of light, life is lit, a process begins which will ultimately decide what type of child will be born. Now, now what we're doing here, we're, we're paralleling this with a natural birth of a child. And we already know, even though that the world don't like it and Planned Parenthood don't like it and all those cohorts that wants to go along with abortion don't like it, life begins at the moment of conception. But the moment of conception, a process of development begins. From the very time of conception, when that first spark of life is lit. And this process, and follow me close, this process will ultimately decide what type of child will be born. There hidden in the womb of the mother, a process of development takes place between the chromosomes and other building blocks of life that will decide if the baby will, number one, be a boy and a girl. Come on. Things begin to happen at the point of conception. Things that we can't understand in our natural mind. But deep down in the womb of the mother, things are happening. When she don't even realize that at first they're happening. But there are deciding factors going on between all these building blocks of life that makes a decision whether or not your baby is going to be born a boy or girl. It decides whether or not they'll have brown hair or blonde hair. It decides if they'll have green eyes or blue eyes. Come on, somebody. The same process took place with David after he was anointed. That was the conception of his destiny. When Samuel called David... And David stood before the prophet of God. And he had took that horn of anointing oil. <laughs> and he was anointed. That was the moment of the conception of his destiny. That was the moment that a new life was conceived in David that becomes something greater than he could control or fathom. Hallelujah. Glory. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Hallelujah. That was the conception of his destiny. Listen, church, 
He did not step onto the throne at his anointing or conception. Hallelujah. David was not anointed by the prophet and then just marched right on up there, go into the, into the throne room and tell Saul, get out of there, that's my chair, I've just been anointed. Hallelujah. Come on. But you know what? That's what many of us try to get over on God today. Because you don't have the patience to wait on God. Hallelujah. You and I have been made a part of this instantaneous lifestyle that we now live. Hallelujah. You live in the lap of luxury in this country. And you're rich whether or not you understand it or not or believe it. Because, amen, all you got to do is go to any third world country. I've seen Haitians come here and go down up under the bridges of Nashville, Tennessee and look and see those people going through their struggles and things. And I've seen them stand there with tears in their eyes and say, oh, how I wish my people back at home had half this much. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We have developed into a push-button society. And we want, we want what we wanted right now. We're not willing to wait on nobody. Hallelujah. We are even, Brother Cochran, out west, we've even got drive-through churches nowadays. I've, 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 I ain't been there personally seen them, but, I, but I've seen pictures of them. I've read newspaper articles of them. Drive-through churches. It's a mockery and a stink in the nostrils of God. Let me tell you something, folks. It ain't about you. Hallelujah. And God ain't God ain't your servant to move when you want Him to. A lot of us today and a lot of these people in these modern Pentecostal with all the naming and claiming with all their blabbing and grabbing, they think that they're making God a gopher. You go get this for me. You get that for me. My God, hallelujah. He's a King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. You're going to move on this time or you ain't going to move. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My Lord, if our ladies today had to do like my grandmother had to do to prepare a morning meal for a family of seven and eight, hallelujah, she didn't have a microwave. She didn't have Jimmy Dean's woman serve. Come on, somebody. She had to get up early enough to build a fire 
at the old wood stove in the kitchen. And trying to get everything together for the morning meal, she was also heating up water and taking it over here in a corner somewhere to an old number 10 wash tub. Now I know a whole lot of you don't know what that is. I'd hate to think I'd have to get out in one now. But <laughs> but I've been there. Hallelujah. I know what it is. And so here they are trying to get the meals cooked and also warming up water on the stove because there's no such thing as a hot water here. Pouring it over there to get some water going where they can bathe. But now, but now, oh well, my microwave ain't working. Oh, I got up just a few minutes late. Go ahead and get your clothes on and we'll we'll run we'll run through the drive through down here and we'll we'll get uh, something from Wendy's. Hello somebody. Everything is instantaneous today. It's right now when we want it. And the problem though, the problem of it is when in our feeble minds we dare we dared even try to bring it to the house of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I want this right now on my time, on my terms, God. Hallelujah. Then you want to know how come things just ain't working so well. Come on, somebody. It's the truth anyhow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There was a process says that David had to go through a process which had to occur which would finally lead him to a cave where the birth of his destiny would take place. I want to carry your attention to Psalms 142. There's several scriptures here, seven of them, but I got to read them all. Now, let me let me just let me just uh, give you something here before we read it. David, we got him in the cave now, amen? He's down in the cave. He's got people trying to kill him. They want to wipe him off the face of the earth. But David's been anointed, been appointed, and everything else. But yet, he's been fighting battles, he's been going through conflicts and he's been riding the emotional roller coaster up and down, up and down. And now he finds himself in a cave. Now whether or not you realize it, Psalms 142 was a prayer that David prayed while he was in that cave. If you got a good study Bible, it might have a footnote over it or somewhere to let you know that this was a prayer that David prayed while he was in that cave. While he was there in the cave of Adullam, David began to call out to God. He said, I cry out to the Lord 
with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before Him. I declare before Him my trouble. My spirit was overwhelmed within me. Oh, I wonder if anybody can relate to that here today. David said, my spirit is overwhelmed. Then you knew my path. And the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Oh, Lord, he says, refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. See there, you ain't the only one gone through some crap in your life. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name, O glory. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. I don't know who it is, but God wants me to tell somebody here today, somebody who feels just like David did when he hid in that cave. You feel overwhelmed by circumstances you have encountered. You feel alone and rejected without a cause. God, what's the reason for this? There's no cause. I don't understand this, God. Come on, somebody. Hey, Amen. Listen to me. You are, you are surrounded by the cold, dark, damp walls of a cave. Hallelujah. Amen. Far removed from the time of your anointing and calling from God. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Oh, God. Amen. It seems such a long time ago that I was in your house. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost fell upon me. Amen. And your power got me. I felt like I could do anything. But God, I'm here in a cold, dark cave now. What is happening? What is going wrong? Let me stop and tell you the meaning of a word before I finish this. I've been talking about a cave. Hallelujah. I have read material and studied symptoms of depression because I have had to at times try to counsel with people undergoing depression. I know it well because it hit within my own family. Sister Darlene went to a point in place one time several years ago that she wound up out there in the old Tennessee Christian uh, hospital 
on that particular floor right there to where nobody could go in. Not even myself as her husband because depression had hit very strong. And I understand and I know that when people are going through spirits of depression, it feels just like you're in a deep, dark cave. Darkness all around. And even though you're in that deep, dark, damp cave, you really don't care because you want to hide. You don't want to be around nothing and nobody. You just want to be I get so sick and tired of some of these preachers going around downing people and telling people don't have nothing because they're going through depression. I'm going to tell you what they're talking about, something they don't know nothing about. Right. Right. And people who's fighting that spirit of depression need somebody who can understand and give them an understanding word, not trying to put them down and tell them they ain't as strong as they should be in their Holy Ghost. It ain't or it wouldn't happen. That is bull. The cave. That word cave in the Hebrew has a definition of say it being a cavern or dark den or hole. The root word means, listen, the root word means to be bare, be made naked. I know we're not running down and shouting right now. But I also know that God is directly strumming a string in somebody's soul right now. Listen to me, church. At this point in David's life, David felt like he was stripped of everything good in his life. Where is that promise? Why can't I feel that warm, tender touch as I did when Samuel pulled the anointing all on my head? Oh, God. God, I just knew it was all going to be all right. The man of God told me your hand was upon me. There was a promise of something to be birthed in my life. But it seems like ever since that day, I've been doing nothing but running, fighting for my life. Riding an emotional roller coaster going up and going down. And even those, and even those, I've tried to serve and I've tried to love. I'm now seeking my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I felt something special as Samuel took that horn of oil and poured it on my head. Lord, I seem so far removed from that. Man, I've stumbled and I've failed. I've messed up. I've did everything kind of thing imaginable since that day. I'm here to tell somebody right now. Thus saith the Lord that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Before God called you, before God anointed you, He knew every struggle you would encounter. He knew every time you would fail and go asunder. But yet He laid His anointing on you anyway. And if it ever has been on you, it would never be lifted. It would never be lifted. It's the devil who will try to get you to believe otherwise where it comes through the mouth of a preacher or who it comes through. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. If we want to scratch that out, then we're going to have to scratch out a whole lot more in the Bible. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been there? Can you relate to what David was struggling with in that cave of Adullam? But I want to tell you something. God has not deserted you. Hallelujah. I said God has not deserted you. He knows where you are. And, and, and he knows where you're at, and he knows the path that you're on. If you remember the third verse of Psalms 142, part of it, he said, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to move on to finish this up. I wished I had time to go a little bit deeper. But let's move on to the second point of this message. I've talked about the process of development. Now I want to talk about the birth of a destiny. Hallelujah. Because I don't want to leave nobody in the cave this morning or this afternoon. Glory to God. I think I've pretty well gotten every one of us in the cave. Ain't a man, woman, boy, girl on the sound of my voice right here who hadn't been spent some time in the cave. Stick up your head and look all holy that you want to. Hallelujah. But I promise you, if you've been living for God at any time in your life, there have been some times, there's been some sleepless nights in a cave somewhere. So I don't want to leave nobody in the cave. I want to talk about the birth of a destiny. Second Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2. Now I read the first verse, but now 
Let's go down to verse 2. Hallelujah. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there was about 400 men with him. The first verse says, David escaped unto the cave. Then we found out in Psalms the prayer that David was praying as he was so distraught. But during that time in the cave, like a womb of a woman, something was taking shape. Something was taking form. Oh, hallelujah. A process was going. And David looked up one day and he wasn't, it wasn't just him no more. He wasn't just his brethren no more. But he looked up. He saw some other people coming to the cave. Coming in the cave. Hallelujah. Who was it? He said those people who was in debt, those who was in distress, everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became their captain. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God was birthing. That cave was a womb where his destiny was being born. Hallelujah. <laughs> he became captain over them. And there was about 400 men. That 400 men became his army. He became their captain. And it became the beginnings of his kingdom. Hallelujah. David found out quickly that he wasn't the only one in distress. He found, like, he found out quickly that he wasn't the only one discontented. But there was a whole bunch of people out there going through struggles. And they came to him in the cave. Glory to God. He did not go to them, but they came to him in the cave because God created that cave to be the womb where his destiny would be born. Hallelujah! There in that dark, damp, dreary cave where David had resorted to, God turned the cave into the womb that would give birth to a king. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We ain't been shouting this point, but you ought to be rejoicing your heart by now. Glory to God, because when you stop and think, yes, God, I admit I've been living in a cave. Glory to God, I've been out there on the run. I've been on the up and down roller coaster. But God, in this cave, you are taking, letting something take shape in my life. God turned that cave into the womb which would give birth to a king and fulfill his promise and complete the process which had undergone for so long. Let me tell you, David had been going through them things for a few years. It wasn't just a one-night stand. Hallelujah. He'd been going through it for a long time. Now I want you to listen up close. I'm going to bring this to the conclusion. Yes, 
And as I finish this up, there needs to be some people right now while I'm bringing this to a conclusion who will come to terms between you and God and say, God, I know like David I've been in a cave. I've been battling, I've been struggling, I've been going through all those things that preacher's been talking about. But God, <laughs> Lord, these pains I'm feeling right now is something a little bit different. I've been going through all kind of pain. God, these pains I'm feeling right now, they're birth pains. Hallelujah. Something's fixing to be birthed. Something's coming out of the cave. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I never will be the same again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I never will be the same again. When I come out of this cave, I'm going to come out as a king. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm coming out of here. Amen. And I'm going to fulfill the destiny that God has planned on my life. And all of this junk that's been behind me is going to just be that. It's going to stay behind me. Hallelujah. 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 I'm not trying to take no crack here, but you better realize this, this message that I preach to you today, this is a message that be intended to be preached at a great conference worth a whole lot of people. But God has blessed some people here this day to hear this word. My Lord. Because God is concerned with the five as He is with the 5,000. He's just as concerned with the one as He is with the hundred. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Get ready. We're coming out of the cave. Where does that leave us? What about the process that we are under today as a church? Hallelujah. This last year and a half, our church has been in a cave. Hallelujah. We've been on an emotional roller coaster. And to a certain extent, we've allowed the, come, the devil and the enemy to come in and take advantage of our circumstances. Because we are not as united as we once was. Maybe God allowed it to pinpoint a light on various aspects of our congregation to let us know there's a weakness here that was always there. We just didn't realize it because everything was going so well. Come on, somebody. Sometimes it takes a, a, a little bit of problem to come through to shine a light on something else. The last time I went in for a, a kidney stone... And then I was rushed in the hospital and they began to do the x-rays and, the, uh, and all those things to find out where the kidney stone was. They come back to me. Maybe if you'll remember. And the doctors in the emergency room asked me, says, 
How long have you had that hernia? I said, what hernia? I don't know about no hernia. So oh, you got one because the x-rays pinpointed it when we were searching for the stone. I never knew nothing about it. Didn't even know it was there. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we allow ourselves to get swept up in a fantasy to where we think things are better than what we really understand them to be. Hallelujah. And I told you I was speaking a word from God, and I'm telling you right now, there have been some areas of weakness in our congregation down through the years that has been there for a long time, but we never knew they was there. It took this other stuff coming around to shine the light on it, to pinpoint it. Hallelujah. And God says, you got to take care right now while you're in the cave. Because God says, I'm fixing to take as a congregation you out of the cave. You're fixing to be birthed, hallelujah, into what I have planned, hallelujah, Christ family church to be, amen, all this time, hallelujah. But you're going to have to wake up and you're going to have to admit it and you're going to have to get yourself out of the fantasy and the land of make-believe you've been with that we have never been a perfect church. Hello? What we've got to do Brother Cochran, we've got to realize all the areas we've got to come up in and we've got to start moving. Or we won't come out of the cave. We will not come out. Hallelujah. But you know what? It's not just the church as a congregation. But we've got some individuals here. You're going through the process as an individual. Hallelujah. You've been living life in a cave, separated from peace, happiness, and joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> what can you tell me, Pastor? What can you give me to give me hope? God spoke these two scriptures in my mind. And brought them back to my remembrance. And I jotted them down. And I'm going to read these two scriptures. And then I'm going to stop. And I'm going to go to the keyboard. And I hope and pray that we got somebody here today who will not only have not only listened to the voice of God, but obey his voice. Psalms chapter 138. Verse 8. The Lord will. He didn't say might or maybe, but it said the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thy own hands. Leave that scripture up. We can take this scripture as the church as a whole and if you are born again spirit filled believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can take this on an individual basis. 
And you can take assurance in this right now and say that the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. God is not only concerned about me, but He's concerned about you. And not only is He concerned about Him, He's concerned about you. And He's concerned about you. And whatever it is in your life, God has done promised in His Word that He's going to bring it to perfection. <laughs> Glory to God! He's going to complete it! The Lord will perfect that which concerning me. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to have fear. Even though I'm over here in the deep, dark, damp, drudgy cave somewhere. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Like King David. There's a process been going on. There's been a work going on. Hallelujah. God is getting ready to turn this cave into the womb of His presence. And God's going to perfect His work in my life. One more scripture. I told you I was going to give you two. Here's it. Let's go to the New Testament. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident. I wonder what confidence means. Hallelujah. I wonder if, if there's any way you can scrap doubt. Can anybody be confident and doubtful at the same time? He said, being confident of this very thing, that He, everybody say He, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In the spring of 1948, under the leadership of Pastor S.L. Hale, along with Sister Hale, his wife, our first lady at that time, God began a good work in a church on 8th Avenue just right down from more than that. He sent other people in to help in this work, such as Brother Carl Angle, who became our first assistant pastor. Sister Darlene. Our first lady. The doctors. The doctors had told Sister Mert, that was her name, Mercedes, everybody called her Mert for short. They had told her that things was too messed up in her female organs to ever have a child. Forget about it. It just simply can't happen. But there was a, a work that had been started. It was a pioneer 
thing that in North Nashville somebody was preaching that Jesus was God and that for salvation to come you had to repent and be baptized in his name and filled with the Spirit. One night during a Sunday night service an evangelist from Cleveland, Tennessee was there preaching the revival. And as he was preaching, several people gave testimony that they heard a baby cry out in the congregation. And guess what? Nobody was there with a baby that night. And God walked, and God, through that evangelist, walked back to my mother in law and looked at her and says, Thus saith the Lord, God is birthing in you a child whose hand of God is going to be on. It's going to be used for the kingdom of God. And that was witnessed and confirmed by 10 or 12 people who heard a baby's cry that night with no child in the place. God began that work back then. And it don't matter how much the devil has fought and come against us today and our church and our assembly. It's God who started this thing and it's going to be God who finishes it. It ain't going to be me. It ain't going to be you. It ain't going to be nobody but God. We got too many people wanting to try to help God out. But guess what? God don't need your help. Amen. And you... As an individual, you repented of your sins, you was baptized in His name, and you was filled with the Holy Ghost. Whenever that took place, it was God who began a good work within you. And He who has begun that work will bring it to completion. He's the one who started it, and He's going to be the one that finished it. Glory to God. Get out of the way and let God work for you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Don't try to take the control from the hands of God in your own life. He's the one that started it. You had nothing to do with it. You didn't choose Him. He chose you. If He hadn't chose you, you'd be out in the wild on your way to hell right now. You was chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. Through His foreknowledge, He knew everyone that was going to come and accept His truth. And the Word of God says the names that are in the book of life are there from the foundation of the world. Let's stand.